Hey, I'm glad that you're here today as we have this chance to kind of rally together. Uh, say out loud with me, road trip. Come on, summer, breaking routines, all about the road trip. Now, I realize in this area, we often beat up that idea of I-95, but can I tell you, when you get away from I-95 and drive into Virginia, Virginia's pretty. Y'all know that? It's a beautiful state we live in, but you got to kind of get away from the density of, of this part of the state and drive back to the mountains. Come on, the Shenandoah Valley, get out there and see some of God's wonder. This is a really beautiful state, but you got to take the road trip to get there. Are you with me yet? Now, isn't this idea of road trips, I'll just go ahead and invite you into our fun as a Gaston family. My family, for the last several summers, we've done this thing where we go down and back in one day to Virginia Beach. Come on. Anybody like that? Down and dirty. Come on. We're going to get up at old dark 30. We're going to load up the minivan, right? And we're going to pack up the beach stuff. We're going to get our towels, get our coolers, all that stuff together. And we're going to leave and get to Virginia Beach proper about three hours if you're blessed and lucky, right? And we're going to get down there and we're going to start at Pocahontas Pancakes. And that's where we begin our day. And after we eat pancakes together, we go across the street and we set up camp, right? We get our towels out. We got all of our coolers there and we have sandwiches and snacks. We play volleyball. We get in the ocean. We do all this fun stuff. And then at the end of the day, we go over there to those community showers outdoors, right? And we shower and rinse off. And then we go back across the street and we go eat at Doughboy's Pizza. And then we get back in the minivan, load all the stuff back in. And then we drive about another three hours, if you're blessed, all the way back home for a full day. Come on, anybody want to join the Gaston Force Family Fun Day? Come on. Anybody up for that? Yeah, not so much, right? That's like, you're crazy. Why would anybody do that in one day? But we've been doing it so long that our kids kind of start looking forward to it. Now, as our kids have gotten older, we realize we've got to take their friends with them so they'll still go. And so the trip has gotten a little bit bigger. And the last time we did this, Hannah had a whole carload of her friends, and they were going to caravan. We were going to follow each other. Have you ever tried to caravan on I-95? and stay together. Have you ever on I-64, come on, those two lanes, and once one passes, and, and this is the first time Hannah had driven all the way down there, and I'm going, she's going to get lost. I'm thinking, we got to stay together, but trying to stay together, it's, it's easy to get separated. Come on, are you with me? Now, praise God that this generation, they got GPS, they have smartphones, we can call each other, hey, I'm lost, but I'm thinking if she, if she doesn't see my car, if she doesn't follow us, we're going to get there and we're not going to be able to find each other. So it's this whole idea of not wanting to get separated. Are you with me? Now, I thought about in those younger years when we were taking our kids by car, the things that we would do to occupy their time. You know, it's kind of different nowadays. We got the DVD players. Hey, let's watch a movie or whatever. But back in the old days, come on, old people, right? Back in the old days, how many of y'all played the license plate game when you're taking road trips, Right. We're going to see how many states we can see on the way there, right? Or how many played the ABC game where you're trying to go from A to Z and you do that to keep your kids, what, from asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Right? You're like, keep them busy. Keep them busy. Well, now you travel. Everybody's got their own phone. Everybody's got their own media. Everybody checks out. Nobody's engaged, right? And so as a dad and as a driver, you got to find something to do. Well, I like checking out cars on the way going, man, I hadn't seen that car. Man, look at that Tesla. Man, that's pretty sweet. And we're driving. And then sometimes I find myself looking at bumper stickers. You know, with me? People still put those on the car. You can imagine that? But bumper stickers. And there's one bumper sticker. Every time I see it, I kind of go, 
mm, I don't like that sticker. It's just, it's just, I don't like the message behind. And you know, as I say that, as I show that, somebody right now in this church is going, oh man, that's on my car, right? And I get that, I get that. But can I tell you, because I'm not judging if you have this or not, but can I tell you how I interpret this? Because this sticker causes me trouble when I see all of these religious symbols leading to the cross. And when I, I look at this, here's how I at least interpret it, whether it's supposed to be this way or not. I look at this and say, wow, that's the world saying, literally, all religions are the same. All religions are the same. That's what I hear it saying. And then I hear this, hey, really, all religions lead to the same place. That's what I hear. And then I look at this and it says, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. And when I see that and I feel that, it's like, ugh. Because you know what? The longer I walk with Jesus and the more I get into the word, that's not the message of Jesus. Can I tell you honestly and lovingly, Jesus didn't come to coexist. He just didn't. Yet in this, I think it forces a subject today that I think is on time that that John is going to give us as we look at this next chapter, 1 John chapter 5, about this theme of do all roads really lead to the same place? And what I believe today we we are forced to all have to examine today is what do we believe to be true about Jesus? Who is Jesus? Is he God? Is he a man? Who is Jesus and do all roads lead to heaven? Aren't you glad you came to church today? If you have a Bible, we are going to be in 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to continue our series, Break the Routine. I want to welcome you here to our Garrisonville campus. I want to welcome our Fredericksburg campus and to those even watching online. Now, today I have affectionately titled today's message, Road Trip. Come on, say it with me again. Before I can get in the message, though, I got to do a little bit of teaching. Can, can I go there for a minute? And, and even in this, writing this word has challenged me all day today, but it's this word called Gnosticism. Now, when John wrote this letter to all these churches in Asia Minor, and he's trying to encourage them to keep on keeping on, there is this trend, there is this bent, there is this belief called Gnosticism. Now, to kind of give you a breakdown of the word Gnostic, or kind of this idea of knowledge, is where we come from this word. And so, they're in the days of Greek thought. They're in the days of Socrates and Plato, and, and as you think, you are. And those idea of knowledge was supreme over everything. And in the tension of Gnosticism, how this began to slip into the church is that in Gnostic belief, they believed that thoughts were great and good, but the earth But the physical body, the matter of things, is inherently evil. And so they're saying, well, listen, you're saying God came down in form of Jesus. Well, listen, Jesus obviously was fully God, but if he is fully God, there's no way he could have a human body because that would be evil and wrong. And so he's either fully God or fully man, but there's no way in between. So that's kind of what the big idea was, this idea of fully God, come on, I want you to see this, and fully man. And as you see it that way, I want you to begin to feel what Gnosticism was because it was a tension where these two things were separated. Did I spell that right? Separ- separ- se- 
You know what I'm talking about. You know, but separate, 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 separate. These things aren't the same. Now, you might be going, come on, pastor. You're making a big major out of a little minor. What are you doing here? Why is this a big deal? Listen, there's this guy on the scene called Serentius, and he was the big teacher of this false teaching, right? And here's what he said. He said, here's, here's, here's how I explain this. There was this man And and God sent Jesus to come take over this man at baptism. And then right before crucifixion, God took the spirit back out of that man. And so that's the way he could be fully God, but not a man. Now, again, so what, right? No big deal. Seems innocent. Seems safe. Yet even in this, this idea of choosing knowledge over faith, even in this, choosing tradition over scripture, it's like this tension in the story because when you begin to walk this thing out, what you begin to also walk out is now there's no virgin birth. Now there's no sinless life. Now there's no, there's no bodily death. There's no bodily resurrection, right? There's no bodily substitute his life for my life. Now, if you take all those things away, now there's no salvation and now there's no victory either. Come on, can you see where this maybe can lead when we don't let God be fully God and Jesus be fully God and Jesus be fully man? When we make those things separated, come on, it's like getting lost on I-64 all over again. Now, you might think, well, come on, pastor, is is this really that big of a deal? Is this really still alive and well? Okay, let me kind of take you here. How many of you have ever seen the movie Da Vinci Code? Anybody? Oh, you don't admit that in church, right? But yeah, Da Vinci Code, Dan Brown, self-professed, self-proclaimed atheist. He takes kind of this Gnostic thought and takes it to its full degree. How many of you have heard of uh, uh, Scientology, right? Yeah, you know what else is about Gnosticism? Since it's all about knowledge, God's going to give secrets to only elite people. And these elite people are going to have this secret truth and they're going to rule the world, right? Come on. When's the last time? When's the last time you've seen Tom Cruise riding a bike, knocking on your door, telling you about the good news, right? Not going to happen, right? Because this elite group, this idea of thinking is Gnosticism. Now, those are extremes. I get that. So how is the subtlety of Gnosticism working its way into our culture and even working its way into the church? I hate to tell you this. You see, in ancient times, Gnosticism is pushing against Jesus' humanity. In modern times, Gnosticism is pushing against Jesus' divinity. Y'all see this? Do you know in our culture, anytime something's being interviewed on the news, our culture has no problem with Jesus. Matter of fact, multiple times, Time Magazine, Newsweek, they'll make Jesus man of the year and the world has no problem honoring and celebrating Jesus. Matter of fact, our world has no problem with Jesus is my homeboy. No problem with that at all. But when we start saying Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, all of a sudden, oh, whoa, 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 back up the truck. Can't go there. You see, our world has no problem with Jesus being a good man. Our world doesn't want to make him God. You see that? It's Gnosticism. And so John is trying to help this church then and there to understand that that we've got to live in a way where we reveal what matters the most. And this idea of coexist is not possible in Jesus. Listen, I know coexist is a great politically correct message, but I'm telling you, when you look in the word of God, that's not the word of God. And as Christians, do we know what we believe? 
You see, we live in an age of tolerance where we all want to claim that, man, Jesus' teaching all are compatible with every other religious teaching. We want to live in a day where we'll say, oh, yeah, Jesus, oh, yeah, he was a good prophet. Jesus, oh, he was a good moral teacher. Jesus was a good man. That's what our world wants to say. That's what other religions will say about Jesus. I want to show you, you can't make a case for that. You really can't because when I get into the word of God and I listen to how Jesus claimed what he claimed about God, what he claimed about himself, what he did and what he taught and how he carried himself, I'm here to tell you Jesus can't be just good. He can't be just the good teacher, the good prophet, the good man because of what he declared about himself. C.S. Lewis said this about Jesus. He said he either was a liar, a lunatic, or Lord, because there's no way he can fall in between, because he declared that he was God. He declared that he was God's son. Good good teachers don't do that, unless it's true, and if it's true, then he's Lord. Then he's Lord. Does that make sense today? Today, as we lean in here on this teaching, I want us to listen a little bit more, so let's just go where John leads us to go. First John chapter 5, verse 1, and, and tell you, listen, I've already given the cream and sugar from here on out. It's black coffee, jet black coffee for the rest of the service. Y'all ready for that? I mean, I know, I know this is kind of a punch you in the face kind of message, but you know what? Sometimes I'm glad God gives it to us this clear so that we can't say we're confused. Today's one of those words that It's not confusing. Here we go. Verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. Everyone who believes. Look at that faith word. That Jesus is the Christ. Then they're born of God. John loves talking about being born again, doesn't he? Because he's the guy that recorded Nick at Night, John, John 3, right? Being born again. And he says anybody that believes, puts their faith there, that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father... Loves his child as well. Listen, if you're going to love God the Father, then you got to love Jesus. If you're going to love Jesus, then you're going to love God the Father. Why? Because they're the same. This is how we know that we love the children of God, the family of God, the church, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not, look at that word, burdensome. For everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcome the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Today, in the few minutes that I have left, I want you to question your faith. Whether you're at this place, at Fredericksburg, or online, I want you to question your faith. And I'm going to give you three questions. Question number one right here out of the scriptures is this. Here we go. Is there a gap between your belief and your behavior? Is there a gap? Come on, we're at church. We're always talking about what we believe. So what do we believe about Jesus? What do we believe? Is he really God's son? Do we believe that? Do you believe that today? Is he your savior? Do you believe that? Is he your Lord? Does your life then now give evidence that you actually believe that? Or is there a gap between your belief and your behavior? Do you see this yet? 
You see, what John is calling out to these churches is about what they believe, but also how they're going to live. And that's important for us to look at. You see, knowing God and loving God should show up in how we make decisions. It could show up in our actions and our behavior. It should show up in our relationships. If we truly say Jesus is Lord, then show us Jesus is Lord in your life. Now, as I even look at this idea of relationship and obedience, I want to tell you this personal example. God's, God's love, God's love, the more we live in God's, God's word, I believe the more life we gain. Does anybody believe that? The closer we live to the words of God, I think the most alive we are spiritually. Come on, do you believe that today? That's what God wants for us. And even Jesus says this, and John recorded this when he was writing the gospel. He said in John 15, look what he says in verse 9. He says, he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. That's strong, but obedience shows we love. Obedience shows that we're connected. Isn't that good? Listen, if you come here more than a week on Sundays, what you're going to find out about me and what you're going to find out about this pulpit is there's not going to be many Sundays that you're going to get to an end of a message where whoever's preaching that day is not going to invite somebody to trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, if you keep coming and keep coming, you could privately, quietly think, man, this seems redundant. Every week we're inviting, every week we think somebody's going to begin. But you know what I just believe? I just believe the word of God. That the word of God says that if we confess, if we repent, if we believe, the word of God says you will be saved. The Bible says very clearly we are saved by faith alone. It's not of our good works. Do you believe that today? So when I am calling people to practice the words of God, I'm believing that they're going to trust and believe in Jesus Christ alone to save them. Now, I know sometimes you might go, well, you know, we talk a lot about praying and raising your hand, but man, does that really do the trick? I mean, is that really enough? I mean, I mean, even in that tension, it's like, oh my word, I mean, is that right? Listen, can I just clearly tell you the prayer is not salvation, the surrender is. And I just believe this, that the Bible says that when we give our lives over to Jesus, when we surrender our life for his life, the Bible says we're going to be changed. Transformation is going to happen. It might happen slower. It might happen radically fast. But God's going to begin to change you and me. Why? Because we're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works. And if I'm going to begin to walk and to talk and to live close with Jesus, I shouldn't be the same as I was yesterday. I ought to be becoming somebody new. Come on, can anybody testify that today? But isn't it interesting sometimes we live with a gap. We live with a gap between what we believe and how we behave. And the question to you today, is there a gap? Is there a gap? Because maybe that's why God loves you enough to bring you here to see what God could be for you. Because see, living for Jesus changes us. Loving God, loving Jesus, loving others connects us to God. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? You know, let me show you how this works in, in my faith. Maybe this can encourage you or at least relate. You know, this weekend's kind of been a busy week and a busy weekend. And as I was kind of moving throughout this week, um, yesterday, uh, I, I, my Saturdays are kind of like getting ready for Sunday. 
but we had several things we were doing yesterday. And so in that tension of the day, I, I knew that I needed to get to my notes late in the evening. And like I often do, I like to be quiet, I like to pray, be alone. And as I'm praying to get my heart right and get my mind right for Sunday, I often do this. And I'll just tell you, God, is there any sin in my life? Is there any sin in my life that I need to confess? Because I don't want anything to get in the way of what you want to do this weekend for your church. I pray that. And oftentimes, man, the Holy Spirit will convict me and show me something like, oh, man, yeah. And I'll confess it and admit it. Well, I kind of went to bed thinking about sermon, thinking about praying that prayer, and I drift off to sleep. Have you ever been awakened from sleep because of a dream? And when you wake up, it's like it, the dream was real. It was so real. Have you, has that ever happened to anybody? Sometimes it's bad pizza, but sometimes it's not, right? But, but, but sometimes if you ever waken and it was a bad dream and everything that happened in that dream, you wake up and you can clearly remember what the dream was, even though the dream was a little weird. It happened to me last night. I woke up at 4.30 and when I woke up, boom, it was a bad, bad dream. And here was the dream. I'm going to confess it. I was literally having a fight with my wife in the dream. And it was so real when I woke up, I felt like I needed to apologize to her right there. <laughs> now listen, it's 4.30. That would have created a whole nother issue, but... But it was so real. Have you ever been there? It was so real. Now, now I started, got me thinking. I started thinking, God, is there something wrong? Is there something there in my marriage? Is that what you're convicting me by? And I started thinking back in the last day, what, what happened? And, and it was honest because last day, uh, the day before, we went down to pick up our youngest daughter, Lexi. She's been at a two-week uh, conference down at uh, University of Richmond. Yesterday, weekend traffic. Yesterday, rain. Yesterday, we timed it, at least we thought we did, to get down there ahead of time. It took us about two hours, what usually takes about 50 minutes. And we drive and we drive and we're starting to stop it. And we finally get there and we're amped up because we thought we were going to be late for her graduation thing. And we're like, oh, and it was creating stress. You know what I'm talking about? And then we get back in the car, right? And guess what? We takes us two and a half hours to get home. And it's like, oh. And you know when you're like this, oh, you start to get like this, oh, right? Right? Man, I was sharp yesterday. We were sharp, and, and, and I knew it was wrong. And at the end of the day, I kind of did one of those, come on, husband. Oh, I'm sorry. I was a mood. I'm sorry. You know, that, that kind of not, not really apologizing, right? But if you wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't have. You know, you, know, you, you ever been there? And here I am, 430, boom, waking up. I'm going, oh, man, I'm wrong with my wife. And I realized it wasn't just a conviction. It was a reality. There's sin. So, so what did I do? Man, I, I, got, I said, God, please forgive me. I was wrong with my wife. And I didn't get to see her until the last service. And she's sitting around the front row. And that's not where you make peace with her. But, but I, had to, I had to at least confess that, right? I, I was wrong. And I know I'm wrong. And the Bible says you repent when you know you're wrong. And I, and I repented. And I repented. I mean, I'll tell you, you know, how I the, you know how guilty I felt? When, before I left the house today, I emptied the dishwasher and I took out the trash. <laughs> Is that not great? Some of you are like, now I preach to my husband, come on. <laughs> but isn't it interesting when our belief and our behavior has a gap? It's like, you know, God says that, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Come on, write the second question down for your faith. Here you go. Is God's word a blessing or a burden? Hello. <laughs> Is God's word a blessing or a burden? 1 John 5.3 says what? In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. You know when God's word feels like a burden? is when you don't have a relationship with God. 
You ever invited somebody that doesn't know Jesus and say, hey, you ought to come to church with me, or hey, let me tell you about my faith. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And get, they kind of like, oh, no, 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 I'm not a church person. You know, they push away. And what do they say? Say, oh, it's just a bunch of what? A bunch of rules, right? You see, when you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the word of God, the commands of God, they feel what? They feel heavy. Christians, we know this to be true too. Because oftentimes as Christians, when we want to do the wrong thing, we want to live for ourselves, we'll get mad at church. Oh, I don't like that church anymore. I don't like what that pastor says. We're going to find a new church, right? And what you're doing is I got to push away from the word of God because I want to go do what I want to do. And this is getting too close to home, right? I think this is a good litmus test for us today. Is God's word today a burden or a blessing? Because if you're not in a right relationship with God, it's heavy. His words seem impossible. And, and we even look at the truth of what he's saying to us and we think, that's not realistic for me. And I wonder what God is really saying with that tension is that there's a gap between what you believe and how you behave. And in this moment, God's trying to get your attention. Would you let God speak that candidly to you today? But you know what I also think is this, the flip of it's true. When you're walking in life with God, you're walking in a stride with Jesus. Can I tell you that word of God that once seemed impossible, now all of a sudden becomes a gift. When you're living in the words of God, it's like, yes, this is how I was made to live. I'm now living the right way and I wanna keep living this right way. Because when you start to realize how much God loves you, then you begin to know my obedience is a way for me to honor him back. Come on, am I the only one that can experience this? You know, the, that, word, that word that God gives to us can be a blessing because what it does in us and what it does through us is so key. Can I tell you one of the gifts living God's word is that it brings freedom to your life. You know, when you're living God and God's way, guess what? There's no guilt with that kind of living. It's free of the guilt, right? There's no consequences to mistakes. Why? Because you're doing things and trusting the Spirit to lead you to do what you know you need to do. And there's freedom that comes with living out God's Word. You know what else? God's Word brings joy. Come on. It brings joy. Because again, because you're living the way God made you to live. And I believe it also brings peace. No matter what's happening in your life, when you're living the way God wants you to live, you're like, you know what? God's got this. I trust Him. I'm walking with him. I believe in him. This is the difference. So I ask you again today, is God's word a burden or is it a blessing? And then let God use that to say something to you this morning. Can you go there? All right, look at this one. Number three, question. Is there a gap between what you say and what you do? That sounds kind of like the first one, doesn't it? But does it? What I say and what I do. What I say and what I do. Listen to me. I just gave you a husband and wife illustration. Can I tell you? That's kind of marriage I want, right? If I'm married to somebody, what you say, I know I can trust that you're going to follow through with what you're going to do, right? Come on. How many of you parents in the room? I love my kids go, yes, dad, you're right. And they admit that. But I want to see them now what? Actually do what I asked them to do, right? I'm glad you agreed with me. Now go clean the room. Right? Say and do in human relations. We're like, oh, yeah, I get that. Then why would it be any difference between us and God? What we say we believe and what we actually do, is there a gap? You see, when we begin to see this, when there is a gap, what's missing is victory. 
We just sang about victory, didn't we? It was a powerful song. I love that song. John actually uses this word victory, and I love it. I love the Greek language because it gives us such a rich picture. When we see victory, here is the symbol of victory. Here we go. Now, y'all think I'm being a little funny here. I'm really not. That symbol represents what company? Yeah, did y'all know that is the Greek word for victory? Man, you learn something every time at church. Did y'all know that? Actually, it's Nike is how you say the actual literal word. But Nike, what we know as Nike, man, somebody in the marketing department did their homework, right? That's a pretty cool name. Matter of fact, there's another word that John uses, and really only John gets recorded for this, and he uses it several times in this letter, and he uses it even more in the book of Revelation. And it's this thing right here where he says this. He says this theme He says, those, everyone born of God overcomes the world. That word overcome in line with the word victory, that word overcome is this word right here, which comes from that Greek word, Nike. Nikeo, which means to conquer. It means to come off victorious. It means to hold fast to faith. Come on, is this not good? But John says, come on, church. I know you're being attacked from the outside. Come on, church. You're starting to get some crazy teaching on the inside. You can't be a divided house if we're going to keep living out this message of Jesus. Come on. You can't be a church that just says it. You got to be a church that what? Just what? Come on, just do it, everybody. Isn't that interesting? Oh, man. Some of you, a shoe is going to re-preach this sermon this week to you. <laughs> but is what you say, is there a gap between what you actually do? I think that's a humbling evaluation for all of us today. Would you agree? You see, something here in this word victory, something here in this word overcome, God has something for his people. But oftentimes, we're not experiencing victory in our lives. Isn't that really the real bottom line? Right now, when you get up tomorrow to go to work, is there victory in Jesus in your life going to work? Tomorrow when you come home or even later today, is there victory in Jesus in that place that you call home? Is there victory in Jesus in your neighborhood? You see, oftentimes we as Christians say, yeah, I believe, I believe, but then I don't really live it out. I say I do, but I don't really do it. You see, John says that kind of tension, that kind of separation, not only messes you up, but it messes up your witness. Isn't that true? This passage is really about our witness in Christ. And he's trying to show the church That Jesus is who he says he is. And if that's true, then you've got to live in a way that shows the world that Jesus has made a difference in you. Come on. It's Christ's victory in you. It's Christ's victory in you. Can I just say it this way? I love that you come to Mount Ararat. I love that you put the magnet on your car. But can you actually drive like you're saved? I love that you're meeting your neighbors right now. I love that because I think God's in that. But could you live in a way in your neighborhood that your neighbors actually want to meet your God? Could we do that? 
Because that's the difference maker. Listen, this is the difference that Jesus wants to make in all of us. And we've got to let our values, we've got to let our ethics, we've got to even let our attitudes reveal that we're trusting in Jesus and only Jesus to be our Lord. And I know it's a process. I know we're becoming. But, but can I tell you this? Faking faith is a burden. And some of you are faking it. And I'm telling you, faking it is exhausting. Is God's word a blessing or a burden? If we'd put all that same energy we are to faking it, just to surrendering it, what difference could God make in our lives and through our lives? And I think about the tension of this. I gave this thought a few weeks ago, and I thought, man, it's good just to return to this thought again. Let's reteach this thought again. Listen, I'm not trying to pretend here that once we're in Christ, we're never going to make a mistake. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about living in Jesus and living in the victory. Here, here's a way to say it, though. Come on. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean we'll be sinless. No. But the closer we walk with Jesus, we should sin less. I just believe that. Because we're becoming somebody new in Christ. Come on, church. This is the church that God wants us to be here at Mount Ararat. And, and I wonder sometimes if we're fighting for something instead of fighting from it. I, I thought the bottom line today was going to be, come on, you're not fighting for victory. You're, fri- you're living from it. You're not fighting for victory. You're living from it. Because too many times we think we're trying to achieve something that Christ has already achieved. Jesus, he paid it all. He's the one that, that earned the victory. Come on, he's the undefeated one. But he's included us in it. And we can now live from it. And by living from it, it means there'll be no gap between our belief and our behavior. Living from it means what we say we actually do. Living from it, we begin to see that God's word is a blessing and not a burden. I love what Jesus once said in John Chapter 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. He says this word, I have overcome the world. Come on, do you believe that today? Are you experiencing victory right now in your life today? Or is your life separated from God? Is your life separated from faith? Only you can answer that question today. But to me, God is speaking right here in this moment. And it's just like our enemy. Come on, it's just like our enemy to try to separate us from God. It's just like the enemy to try to separate God from Jesus. It's just like the enemy to separate Jesus' divinity from his humanity. It's just like him to try to push us too far away from God so there's no power and victory in our lives in Christ. And so John wants to call these Gnostic teachers to task. And so he says this in verse 6. He said, this is the one, Jesus who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. Watch this. For the three, come on, the three testify. The Spirit, water, and the blood. And they're all three in agreement. Now, we accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony, and whoever does not believe God 
has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony of God that he has given about his son. Now look at what John's doing here. He's showing us what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus has made true. And I want you to kind of pay attention. This is so good. This is so good. So he says something about the witness of water, the witness of blood, and the witness of spirit. Now, I just want you to think with me for a minute here. This water reference is is a reference to birth. Come on. We all were born out of water. Did you know that? Birth. But then it doesn't stop there. It's also a reference to baptism. Now, what I love about Jesus is that Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus came through Mary and he was born his water through birth but Jesus when he was an adult he went public with his baptism so he celebrates the fact that he had a physical birth and he also had a what a spiritual birth good news and it doesn't stop there Jesus was also a real man because he had blood in his body blood is a reference to crucifixion come on cru 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 Is that right? I'll just say the cross. <laughs> Shows his humanity as he died for your sin, my sin on the cross, right? And then the spirit shows this powerful truth that after he was dead, oh no, he's not dead. He rose again, right? Resurrection. And as he rises back, it shows that he was once dead, he's now alive again, and your dead life now can also have life again as well. I love the testimony of God that that Jesus fully is fully man and at the same time he's fully God. And there's something powerful about that truth for us as a believer. I ask you today, do you believe that too? Do you believe that too? Because there's something in this that's for us. And Jesus lived a human life. Jesus died a sinner's death. And Jesus rose again so that you and I might rise again and live. And the gospel shares this to us. Now, John's trying to help that church understand that. But if you go back to John's first gospel and look at chapter 1, man, he's already given this to us once before, right? When he's talking about that, remember John 1.1? Come on. In the beginning was the what? The Word. Come on. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Oh, no, no. The Word was God, Right? A few verses later, verse 14, and it said this, and the word became what? Flesh. Took on a real flesh, right? And made his dwelling among us. Come on, Jesus is fully man and fully God at the same time. Christians, that's a good truth for us today because it means that Jesus can relate to our lives at any level. So I ask you again, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Because I'm going to say this to you today. If you say you love God, if you say you love God but you don't follow his commands, if you say you love God but you hate your neighbor, if you say you love God but you don't walk with Jesus, the Bible calls you a liar. You're nothing but a liar. But today, God has loved us enough to have a pretty candid conversation with all of us, right? And so the question is, are we willing to go where God's word has led us to go? I'm going to invite our worship team back up. And even as our worship team comes back up, I I don't want this message to disappear from us because today right here in this moment, God is saying something so clear and so straight. But, But maybe what we need to talk about today before we finish anything is to ask the question, is there a gap? 
Is there a gap? Is there a gap right now in your belief and your behavior? Is there a gap between what you say and what you do? Is God's word a blessing or a burden? Can can we let that evaluate our lives for just a moment? Because when I begin to go there and let God's word share something there, then what am I going to do with what God reveals? What am I going to do now if God shows me there's a gap? What do I do with that? And yet God loves us enough to keep leading us even right now in this moment. So I'm going to say it this way in case you subtly missed it the first time through. Jesus, Jesus didn't come to exist. Jesus didn't come to coexist. Jesus is not just a good man. Jesus is not just a good prophet. No, Jesus is not just a good moral teacher. No, Jesus is God. That's what he is. That's what he is. And Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. Listen, you can't say that unless you're a liar, unless you're a lunatic, or unless you are Lord. So the question gets a little bit more personal right now for you and for me. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Or is there a gap? You know, I've been amazed at how God has used this words as we keep walking through 1 John every single week. It's like, God, can you not say it stronger? Can you not say it straighter? But he's coming at us in such a clear way so that we're not confused about what this is all about. And so even John gives us in verse 11 such a straight, clear word. He says this, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. Come on, it didn't get any more exclusive than that. I know that's not PC, you with me? Jesus says all roads don't lead to heaven. I'm the only road. I'm the only way. I'm the only truth. It's exclusive. It's exclusive. It's exclusive. Church, if we go to sleep in this truth, then we've given away the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you, as exclusive as it is, what I love about the beauty of the Word of God, it's it's also inclusive. God's loved you enough that God brought you here today on a Sunday to hear the most pointed invitation That shows me that you have been included in God's love. You have been included in God's salvation. And he's inviting you to trust by faith alone and to believe. Could that be you today? Could that be you today? Come on, both campuses online. Could that be you today? Isn't it beautiful that God so loved that he loved you enough to make this way possible for you? Man, I love that. Come on, do you believe that truth today? that we can't hold it in any longer. We gotta keep inviting others to come and experience Jesus Christ because it's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. Believing, behaving, saying, and doing 
and understanding the blessing instead of the burden. Come on, is that you today? Will you bow your heads and your hearts with me? Father God, thank you for what you're sharing and what you're saying, but I'm just believing right now there is a moment that we're all in that you're calling us to take a step of faith to move. So I'm gonna stop praying right now and I'm gonna ask you pointedly in this moment, right here in this moment, and here's what I'm gonna ask. I wanna talk to the Christians that are here at this room and at Fredericksburg, and I'm gonna ask you in faith right now, as you have heard the message that God has spoken to your life, you have realized today there is a gap right now in what you believe and how you're living. I want you right now, if that is you, I want you in Jesus' name to stand up, to walk down that aisle, and to get on your knees and surrender that gap right here in this moment. Come on, move. Come on, Christian. Move. If that's you, if that's you, I want you to move. You know who you are. You know the struggle. It's time to lay down that struggle. It's time to admit that gap. It's time to give it back over to God. It's time to trust Him in this moment. Praise God. As you're moving, praise God. May you just get on your knees if you're able. And would you just simply have a conversation with God? That's what prayer is. Tell Him where you're wrong. Tell Him the areas that you've pulled back from Him on. Confess your sin. Admit it. And then turn from it. And watch what the Spirit can do in you right here, right now. Come on, this is a by faith relationship. If you're still sitting there today, don't let the enemy rob you of this moment. God brought you here today so you could finally give it up to Him. Come surrender it right now in this holy moment. Christians, I'm asking you to move. Praise God. Just simply pray. Praise God. Praise God. Love seeing that. It's amazing when dads move the way, how that leads families forward. I love it. I love families being families at this altar. God, thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for second chances. Thank you for unconditional love. God, we want to live for you. That's our desire. We don't always get it right, but God, we want to live for you. Help our hearts to stay close to your heart. With heads bowed and people praying at Psalter, I want to talk to you. You that are sitting here today that you have never trusted you've never believed, you're not a Christian, and yet God loved you so much to bring you here in this moment today. Right now, he's knocking on the door, and he's saying, would you let me into your life? Would you believe in me today to be your Savior and your Lord? Come on, all roads don't lead to heaven. I do. That's what Jesus said. I do. Would you trust me? Would you trust me to save you? Come on, am I talking to you and you're watching online? If you're at Fredericksburg or right here in this room, I want you to talk to God too. That's called prayer. I'll even help you with some words. Tell God this. Say, God, you're speaking to me. God, I hear you. I need Jesus. Come on, tell him that. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Help me to believe and then help me to live it Help me to live it in my relationships. I want to be a person who forgives and a person who now loves like you love me. Thank you, God, for saving me 
praise God, <laughs> praise God, praise God. I believe there's one person here today that just prayed those words, just believed those words, and today you just experienced this new beginning that's now yours in Jesus Christ. I wanna celebrate with you, but I can't if I don't know who you are. Right now in faith, I want you, when I count to three, I want you to put your hand high, and by putting your hand high, you're gonna to say today, I just gave my life to Jesus. I'm trusting Jesus alone to save me. Come on, one, two, three. Right now, put your hand high if right now today you just gave your life to Jesus. You just became a Christ follower right here in this moment. You just surrendered your life. Keep your hand up. Don't put it down yet till we get to you. My prayer team's gonna make their way. They wanna encourage you and what just happened right now in your story. Once they put that box in your hand, you can put your hand down. Praise God, Father, you are saving, you are reaching, and you are changing. God, thank you for speaking to our church today. We love you, God. Now may we live for you. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen.